How many of you as a parent had a child who, who said there's, especially a small child who said there's a monster under the bed or, or there's, a, there's a monster in the closet and they couldn't go to sleep and they were really bothered and they were genuinely concerned, they were genuinely scared and you as a parent went in and you, you looked under the bed or you looked in the closet and you, you tried to reassure them there's nothing there. It's going to be okay. There's no reason to be afraid. I wonder if God ever feels like that parent. Trying to reassure us, trying to show us compassion, trying to show us concern, but really letting us know there's no reason to have your fear. Or to panic. Or to be frantic. It's going to be okay. That certainly was the case with Jesus' disciples. In Mark chapter 4, we read of an occasion on which Jesus has to remind His disciples, it's going to be okay. They were frantic. They were concerned. They forgot that the God of creation was in the boat with them. They forgot the mission of God for them. Notice Mark chapter 4, verse 35. The text says, On that day when evening came, He said to them, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took Him along with them in the boat, just as He was. And the other boats were with Him. And when there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up, Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down, and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they became very much afraid and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This was still somewhat early in Jesus' ministry. But these men, these disciples, had seen Jesus do a tremendous amount. They'd seen Jesus heal the crowds in Mark chapter 1 and verse 29 as, as Jesus is moving about and, and, and so many people are around Him and it says that He healed their sick and he, he drove out the demons. In Mark chapter 2 and verse 2 following, we, we read the story of a paralytic man who is lowered through the roof of a house because so many people are there to see Jesus and His friends want to see this man healed. They lower Him through the roof of that house. In Mark chapter 3 and verse 1, a man with a withered hand is brought to Jesus and Jesus heals him. They'd seen all these things. They'd heard Jesus' public and private teaching. And Mark 4 is filled with the parables of Jesus that Jesus told as he taught. They should have known who Jesus was. But in the moment of Mark chapter 4 and verse 35, their lives
lives are in danger, their lives are, are threatened, and they forget the God of creation is there with them. Mark says in Mark chapter 4 and verse 37 that a, there arose a fierce gale of wind. Luke's account says that a fierce gale descended upon them. Luke chapter 8 verse 23. Luke, being the more scientifically minded, uses that word descended a, a, upon them. The Sea of Galilee is almost 700 feet. It's 696 feet, to be precise, below sea level. And yet all around the Sea of Galilee are these large mountains or hills, and in some places, very steep cliffs rising on the banks of the Sea of Galilee on the east. On the west, you have milder slopes, but great mountains, great hills nonetheless. And this created a gorge effect upon that sea, that lake of the Sea of Galilee. And oftentimes as, as the winds would come down those mountains or down those hills, they would stir up that water of the Sea of Galilee. So that great waves would, would come up and certainly on this occasion that's what's being described. And on this occasion those waves are so great that they become deadly. Luke says that the boat was swamped. Mark this time provides the greater detail. He says that the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. You get, you get the sense, don't you, that, that this is a sudden storm and that the waves quickly come upon them and, and, and in no short amount of time are the, are the waves breaking into the boat so that the boat is beginning to sink. It's beginning to fill with water. Have you ever been so desperate when things are out of your control? And that's how these men must have felt. Imagine the disciples perhaps in a panic. Can you see them using their hands, perhaps if there's a bucket or two in the boat, using something to, to try to bail out the boat? But the water's coming in so quickly faster than they could get it out. Wouldn't you be frantic facing the sinking of a boat? Perhaps miles, if not yards from the shore. Knowing what fate awaited you. And so they cry out to Jesus. Verse 38. Teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? They saw their lives sinking into that lake. Is this a cry for Jesus to help them simply bail out the boat? Bail out the waters? Or are they asking something else? They don't specifically ask Jesus to stop the storm. Perhaps they don't see in Jesus the power that he has over nature. They forget the God of creation is in the boat with them. Look at the response that they give at the end of the story. Verse 41 says, They became very much afraid and said to one another, Who then is this? That even the wind and the sea obey him. They weren't looking for Jesus to stop the storm. They didn't think that Jesus 
might stop the storm. That wasn't in their thinking. That wasn't even in their imagination. They hadn't even stopped to consider it. They had forgotten who was in the boat with them. And so they're there. They're trying to bail out the boat. And here's Jesus up at the stern. And he's sleeping. And they're astonished. How can he be sleeping? Doesn't he know what's going on here? We've got to wake him up. We need another pair of hands on this problem. But Jesus did something greater than they could even imagine. Jesus responds immediately to their cries and to their concerns. The text says that, that he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And it became perfectly Jesus acted with compassion. Jesus responds to their concern. And then Jesus perhaps redirects their faith. Verse 40. The text says, Jesus asks them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? In Luke's account, he says, Where is your faith? Perhaps a rebuke from Jesus. It seems like a rebuke to a certain extent. But Jesus is really asking them, Where's your faith? Did you forget that the mission of God is bigger than the waves of the storm? Did you forget the God of creation is in the boat? And so it really hits them with a ton of bricks. Verse 41. When they say, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now they know. Who's in the boat with them? Our nation and world is facing a great crisis. A great illness is impacting not just the United States but Europe and Asia, the entire world, 140 countries now, are facing this coronavirus. For many, this is a great, a great illness that will take their lives. Many people around the world will see a loved one pass away because of this. And it's a great economic hardship. Frankly, it may be, this may be worse for some folks than any health problems that they may face. Many people may struggle for food or rent as their, their jobs close or, or, or their source of food becomes limited. As businesses close or they operate on a limited basis, they have to send their employees home. I suppose some businesses will be able to, to pay their employees for a while. Others will not. And so depending on how long the waves are hitting the boat, the damage may be very real. 
And the longer things continue down this path, the closer this crisis will be to you and me. We may begin to feel like the disciples, that the waves are hitting faster and harder than we can bail out the boat. How will we respond? One response is to cry out as if all is lost. But the other is to recognize the God of creation is with us and we are His instruments. His mission is bigger than the waves. And the God of creation is in the boat with us. Events in nature often bring economic crises and economic consequences. But we need to remember God's mission. As a church family, we are here for our brethren who may be impacted economically. And I hope as you listen to this recording and you, 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 you think about our church family, that we recognize that there may be some in our church family who are hurt economically, because of this crisis. There may be some who are touched physically with the coronavirus. We need to show them God's love and God's compassion and be ready to help however we can. Our church family may have an opportunity to assist others who are touched by this crisis, either financially or with health concerns that maybe we may be able to help and, and show them God's love when they haven't thought about God's love in the past. We need to think about God's mission to build strong families. And the opportunity that this crisis provides us for building stronger families, for building stronger relationships as we spend time together, perhaps as we are refocused in our thinking, in our relationships with our families. We can be open to, to folks who, are, who may be searching for God. They may be searching for answers as this crisis sweeps the globe. We need to remember our focus on God's priorities, on our spiritual lives, on our relationship with God. Next, I would calling us to consider our blessings that we have in the United States. We have great tools and great blessings from God. Who would have thought that we might be able to get together in an online assembly and worship together? And we did that this morning, didn't we? I know there were some technical difficulties and not everyone was able to participate in that. That's why we're sending out this recording this morning. For those that weren't able to do so. But you see, the possibility didn't even exist 100 years ago or 50 years ago. And I suppose there are communities and places around the world today that, that don't have this, this ability because not everyone has a computer or a cell phone to participate in such an online service. Folks, God has blessed us with great things. God has blessed us with a, with a, a, a federal government and a state government that has responded quickly and, and done some great things to, to make sure that American families are protected and taken care of. 
Those are blessings from God that we live here in this place at this time. Some may say, I suppose, that all of this is God's retribution or God's judgment or God's discipline. And certainly God has the ability to act any way that He wants. And we look in the Old Testament, we see times that God used crises of, uh, of different types to discipline His people or to, to gain someone's attention. And that certainly could be the case, I suppose. But in Mark chapter 4, as the waves are hitting the boat, that wasn't God disciplining His disciples. That wasn't God's retribution. That wasn't God's judgment. But that was the time for the, to refocus on God. And so it may be as we face this crisis, we face this virus, and we face economic consequences that follow, that this is a time to refocus on God. Others must say, use this, this crisis and say, I wonder why God would do such a thing or allow this evil to exist. And again, just as the waves were hitting the boat, on the Sea of Galilee. That was a natural process that those disciples, those men were accustomed to. It wasn't necessarily God's retribution for them. It was just a natural occurrence. And in the same way as we think about viruses, they are a part of nature. Economic crisis that follow is a part of the natural realm, the natural occurrence of things. It's not necessarily God causing evil to happen or bad things to exist. But it does give us an opportunity when people are asking those questions to show them God's love, to show them God's compassion. And perhaps to share with them the gospel so that lives, eternal lives, might be saved. We don't need to panic. We don't need to be frantic. We don't need to get down on our knees and, and, and try to bail out the boat ourselves. Because the God of creation is in the boat with us. Because His mission is bigger than the waves of the storm. Yes, we might turn to God. And we ought to turn to God. And we ought to look to God. But we need not be frantic nor panic. Because He is there with us. Instead, we need to remember His mission. And recognize that we are His instruments for compassion. This morning, I challenge you to look out for one another. If there is a need, let it be known. If there is help that we can provide, let it be known. Some of you may be impacted very directly. If a business closes, or a job ends, or you're laid off, and there's no more income, and you need food, you need other things, don't be afraid to ask. And when we find out that that happens to our brethren, we ought to be going to them saying, Brother, I know this happened to you. I know this is because of this crisis. Can we help you? How can we help you? And then we need to look outside of our church family. 
we need to be prepared to consider how we may help others that are in our sphere of influence that may be hurting, that may be suffering. We're not big enough to help everyone, but we might be able to help someone. We might be able to share with them as a result of that the gospel of Christ. Third, we need to listen for how other for how we can teach others. If we do encounter those folks who, who ask those big questions, why is this happening? Why does evil exist? Those types of things. Where they begin to ask us questions about God, we need to be prepared to share with them God's love, God's compassion, and God's gospel. His mission is bigger than the way. Fourth, as his instruments of compassion, we need to spend time with families. We need to use this as an opportunity to reprioritize our time and our resources and our love for one another in our families. Moms, dads, husbands, wives, aunts, uncles. I know some of our church family have families at home still. Some in our church family have families that have, or, 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 or children that have, grown up and gone away. Some of you have aunts or uncles or nephews or nieces far away. Reach out to them. Use the blessings that God has given us with cell phones and, and Facebook and, and technology to reach out, to be concerned and show love. Finally, a couple weeks ago in a sermon I made mention that as a brotherhood, as a nation, we've kind of gotten away from the memorization of Scripture. Placing God's Word in our hearts. I hope that we'll use this time to get back in the habit of committing God's text in our hearts. Later this morning, later today, I'll send out a, an email with a list of Scriptures that, are, that I think are important Scriptures that teach us of the character of God's people. Who we ought to be as Christians of integrity. So that when Christ says, when Jesus says, when the God of creation says, peace, be still. And we're moving again in our communities. Talking again with people around us. They'll see in us what it is to be a Christ-like person. And perhaps that'll open some doors that we can save the eternal lives of those who are seeking God. Because our mission, God's mission, is bigger than the waves. And we ought to remember that God of creation is in the boat with If you have needs, as this crisis continues to round the globe and have an impact, call us. Let us know. We want to love you. We want to show God's compassion. And we want to care for you. Just as Christ cared for these disciples. And said, peace. Be still.